thirsty and 30. I like to think I'm funny. I'm also honest <laughs> and I make yeah. magic happen. Like I have to cook. I have to like make my business like succeed. That's I'm a freaking magician. Hello to our thirsty listeners. I'm Bea, one half of the duo of Thirsty and 30, a blind needing the blind chat show on Smarter Love. Welcome back to our Thirsty to Know series. In this series, join Shari and I as we get to know thriving people as they take us through their amazing personal journeys. Our goal is to help you and ourselves navigate our 30s and beyond with a newfound thirst for life. Our guest today is Nicole Ponseca, the restaurateur behind Jeepney, New York City, and Miami, and a James Beard nominee for her cookbook, I Am Filipino, and This Is Why We Cook. We get straight into it by talking about the best food a date has ever made for her. You know, I've had some of the best restaurants in the world, gone on some pretty amazing dates, but it really is the most heartfelt when they make me things. Even I'm saying like buttered toast and eggs. It doesn't have to be so special. It's really honestly is the thought that counts. Yeah. Yes. Breakfast in the morning by a man is actually quite nice, right? Yeah. There's something mm -hmm. there. Very, very thoughtful. Yeah. So Nicole, we talk about like what men cook for you, but what about you? What do you like to prepare for your date? Bay and I have a term, we like to call it hashtag wife material when we start cooking something good. So what would your go-to dish be to seduce a date? Ooh. I've done a I've done a few of those. I really like to go all out. And so I there's so many different dinners that I'm thinking like I, I've done a, a beautiful vegan dinner for someone and it was so special and you know lamb chop a whole like double rack of lamb and I, I love really like homey foods like simple ingredients just made with a lot of love care yeah. uh, some good technique recently I made a beautiful steak dinner and grilled pineapple and you know that wasn't for a date really but it was for a male friend but I just wanted to say thank you and give a lot of love to him but mm -hmm. the key to it all is just having a really great mise en place and preferably I could like to do it the day before so that way when I'm actually in dinner I'm just throwing the shit together like super fast like I don't mm -hmm. really want to be like sweaty and crazy and erratic and if you wait the day up you will be so get yeah. together the day before an hour before he comes over or she comes over or whomever you put it together and you, you look effortless it's really great i love that like that. That. that effortless i think that's important uh -oh. or at yeah. least looks like looks like, like it <laughs> okay <laughs> So Nicole, in your restaurants, um, when you observe your diners, can you tell if couples are in love or doomed with how they dine in your restaurant? Yes. Wow. Yeah, tell I can it. tell if it's a good date, a bad day. I can tell how people fight. Yeah. Um, there's so many um, nonverbal cues that you can pick up on and how people interact and how they share their food. There's a lot of heavy resentment I see at tables from couples mm. that, you know, I just feel so bad because you just get the sense that they're locked. Um, yeah. And and so, yeah, I can tell. I can tell. I, I can tell really great first Tinder dates because Jeepney, believe it or not, you know, the, the majority of our diners were tourists and business diners, mm. but there were a few articles, if I'm not mistaken, where Jeepney was shouted out for like being a great destination for Tinder dates or Bumble wow. dates or whatever. 
And it was really astounding because there was so much going on. You know, had this interesting food. It was a crazy environment. So if you were the worst conversationalist or felt like, oh, my God, this isn't going to go anywhere, at least you had, like, a lot to go on. Yeah. Um, and you could really tell. I've had, you know, between both of my restaurants, I really have to say I've had a lot of first dates who went on to first marriages, who went to first babies. Like, So maybe it's not oysters and champagne, but maybe Filipino food is truly the, the number one aphrodisiac. <laughs> I like that. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So, Nicole, we're all kind of trapped now and we're all dating virtually because of the pandemic. Can you give us tips on how we can survive this whole virtual world <laughs> romances we have? You know, um, the question is how you can survive, yeah. you know, being trapped during COVID and dating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I made some connections. Um, I don't know how to survive. I mean, I worked really hard at getting here on um, being independent and um, really owning being solo. I was in two back-to-back -back relationships. Both were 10 years long. I know it's hard to believe because I'm only 30, but, uh, yeah. but um, they were very long and serious relationships and they were back to back. So I've worked really hard where I'm at now. And COVID was great because I had already like really enjoyed my time and my friends. And mm. if anyone were to come into my life now, I think the key to my survival being single was like, it would be an added bonus. You know, yeah. it would be, it, it wasn't like in lieu of or filling a void. It would just be a cherry on top. Yeah, I love that. I mean, back to back is also very intense, right? And I, mm -hmm. I'm i curious about this because nowadays there's such a paradox of choice and it's very evident in the dating world. You are a true original. You've done a lot of self-work and you also hustle. What, what do you, how do you want to become an original really? Because you know, when you're swiping right or left or whatever people do nowadays, there's so many and you feel like you're going through a deck of cards. Yeah. Well, I would get a lot of swipes on mine, but I'm kind of funny. Like on my profession, I said I was a magician. So people would, because I want to say entrepreneur. I didn't want to say a small business owner. Like what a snore, you know? So I would just say I'm a magician. So it was like, because I'm I like to think I'm funny and I'm also honest and I make yeah. magic happen. Like I have to cook, I have to like make my business like succeed. That's I'm a freaking magician. So, you know, that would get a lot of attention because people would be like, what kind, what kind of magician are you? Are you in Vegas? Are you in New York? <laughs> and so then I would have to tell them, no, I would, I would come clean. Um, and then another answer that a lot of uh, gentlemen callers really appreciated, I think was, um, it was on um, Hinge. Mm. And then the question was, how do you, how will I know if you like me? And I said, if we hold hands. And, no. you know, that was honest because I've been on dates and I don't want to hold your hand, but if I hold your hand, it probably means that I really like you and it feels good. Like you don't want to hold hands with a creep, right? It's like, gross. <laughs> so I think you find those little moments of honesty that seem like the most banal but can yeah. you know so many people said oh that's so romantic and mm. it wasn't like i didn't have to show my t's or my a's i didn't have to like <laughs> be so revealing and i'm not ever really revealing like that anyway yeah and i've never been one to compete in that realm i've been always kind of modest like that 
So, I mean, after all, I am part Pinoy and my parents both raised me like that. Mm. So I think just go with, you know, what your, what your essence is and people will respond to it. Yeah. I like that whole holding hands thing. I find that super cute. Like the simplicity of it, right? You don't want to just make out with somebody. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) And And it also kind of set the stage, right? Because then some of these people would be like, oh, like this is a nice woman. And it, you know, there's something still to be said about harnessing like the essence of um, seduction and flirting and don't get me wrong. I, you know, this, I know this is, this is going to live on on YouTube and I don't (laughs) want my family here like to be like, what the hell is she talking about? But I've had my fun. Um, I've done it with people I've not known for a very long time, but, um, you know, I was talking to one of my mentors named Lloyda Lewis, you might know her and, uh, you know, there's just something really sweet about taking your time to get to know someone, you know? I love that. Okay. My question is, you mentioned you obviously are Pinoy and then in your family, do you get pressure to settle down to this age? Because Cherry and I always get like our aunties, uncles asking us, why don't you have a boyfriend? Who doesn't want a man who (laughs) takes care of them and like is just fun to be around, right? And how do you feel about that pressure? And do you still get it or you kind of don't anymore? Um, I'm a a little bit of a different, I don't know, I'm different. Like, yeah. Um, I didn't have a big family. I was always quite independent. You know, there was even a period, and I don't recommend this, but there was a a definite period where I didn't talk to my parents for like two years because I knew that I I almost was like a working monk in that I wanted to really investigate what what were my values and what did I believe separate from my family. Yeah. And in in large part, I I circle back and and I know with, integrity I share with them and what I don't and because again I don't recommend that for everyone but because I they kind of knew I was a horse of a different color that I never got that pressure if anything while my dad was still alive he would just ask me are you happy mm-hmm. and um in his thick Pinoy accent and I don't want to mimic it or make fun of it I know that it's so easy especially for I think Filipino Americans to do that I'll just say in the most beautiful, thickest Filipino accent that he would always ask me, like, are you happy? And and then my mom would just send me letters and, and texts and just say, stay on your course. Because my mom's also very different. Stay on your course and know that there's so many people who are in miserable marriages or relationships. I think she influenced me to make sure that I'm good on my own from a very early age. And so anyone that would come in my life would, would be an accompaniment or um, a compliment to to life. Yeah. yeah. So I, I love- my parents are different. I, yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about your dad? Because I know how close you were to him and yeah. um, what happened that you lost him during this time. And, you know, just to have someone always ask you, are you happy is something really powerful because people don't really do that. Like, People don't really ask, like, are you happy? Like, they just think, sometimes they just think you're just okay. Like, you know. My dad and I had a very special bond. He didn't speak very 
he didn't speak English very well. And I spoke very little Tagalog. Mm. And um, for the Filipino American experience, it's very common for us not to speak Tagalog because either our parents worked so much or there was this colonial stigma of not speaking English to a T. Mm. And, and so my father and I only shared the language of food. You know, food was our love language, where, where I got it. And uh, he was so influential with me because he had friends from different walks of life. Uh, and I'm very specific with that, meaning sexual orientation, color of skin. Like, I remember he would, he would do his own kind of code switching when he was with his, like, Black friends. And, I, mm. and I'm being, being so small, I could see the interaction. And it was just, like, mutual respect. Mm. Or when he was with his Mexican friends, you know, he would adopt to, you know, play their music and learn to know them. So he had a, a generous spirit and taught me that. And I was very well acquainted with LGBTQIA from a very young age, film, athletics, like he just was so dope. He was so such a fly <laughs> man. Like I, I can't yeah. even describe, like he traveled the world. He just was, he was a dope person, but he wasn't without his flaws. And while mm. he was in his first marriage, he began working on his second. He can read okay. between the lines. And that really put a wedge between us. And yeah. so I didn't have as tight of a relationship with him in, in the last years. But the bond never died, even, yeah. even if the time we had together did. Yeah. yeah. So did food bring you guys together in the... Um when you did have, because you said that like, you didn't really speak the same language. Um, was food something that really bonded you? And yes. what did you make for him? And what did he make for you? You know, my earliest memories of him, and I, and I say it in my book, is when, um, you know, they were playing Mahjong one night. And to say bite means subo, right? Like a bite. Mm -hmm. And so I remember you playing, you playing, you're running, you're running around. And then I would come back to the table when they're playing mahjong. And then my dad would give me soup of um, rice, kanin, and kare kare, and <laughs> And then the rest of the table would be like, Tamana, like, don't give that to her. She's not going to like it. And yeah. then my dad said, Hindina, because she's, she's going to like it because she's Pinoy. And then he gave it, and then you know, all the eyebrows go up like, oh, gonna like she likes. It. <laughs> and, and so that is the beginning of my father introducing me to balot and halo yeah. and all these things, even didn't go on that in my American life was somehow yeah. taught that it was em embarrassing or um downright disgusting, whether it was hal uh, balot or didn't go on. So in his own way, he definitely implanted in me the idea of being a restaurant owner simply by being un unashamed of mm. who he was, how he ate, eating with his hands, everything. Like it was, yeah. it was a pretty stellar example, uh, living by example. Mm -hmm. mm. So more about your parents. Um, what did they teach you about, besides food, what did they teach you about love? I think they taught me, what my parents taught me about love was um, what not to do. And so I have, and I continue to 
uh, unravel and um, explore that their relationship and um, how toxic it was at times and also how beautiful it was, what they shared in common. Um, my mom was a, is by far a linguist in comparison to my father and had such a different mind. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there, there, there was a lot of, um, it was just not, it was not cute sometimes and it would make for a really great telenovela and uh, I wouldn't trade it, although I, I feel bad for their loss and pain and a divorce. Hmm. But uh, I really think I'm, I'm stronger for it today. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But it, and it taught me the power of levity in a relationship, having a really good sense of humor, letting things go, working it out and letting it go. I think one of the, the hardest things a lot of us do is hold on to the pain and bring it out when it suits us. And that that's not a fair way to fight. Um, yeah. And fights will inevitably happen. Arguments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Actually you have to fight well with, like when you meet someone, it should be someone you can fight well with because that's going to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and there, wait, but there are some who, don't I had a relationship for 10 years with this lovely man, uh, Rob, who I'm still friends with today. And we did not argue. And to this day, wow. he is one of the most lovely people I've ever met in the world. And uh, if anything, it was my immaturity that would drum up like little spats. But he was so calm um, and not docile and not a pushover, just had a, mm. a wiseness about him. So that it mm. can exist. And if you ever met <laughs> him, you'd know what exactly what I'm talking about. He's, wow. he's an amazing and he's sexy and he's smart. <laughs> um, and there's some, you know, there's some really great guys out there. Oh, that's giving me hope. Yeah. I know. We also, I want that. I want that. Uh, so, Nicole, what do you think is the biggest misconception about Filipino food and Filipino culture? Um, I don't know if there's any real misconception um, right now because I don't, I think we're still emerging as a culture. Hmm. You know, I think that there can be misconception maybe within, but when you ask me that question, immediately what comes to mind is someone looking at us and what mm -hmm. they could perceive us to be. And I don't, I don't think that there's enough, a strong enough narrative about Filipinos to have a groundswell that would, that would lead me to believe that there's a misconception. In, right. If anything, I think we need to be out there more and we are in a perfect opportunity to create that narrative through diversity with skin color, profession. I mean, look at us all here. We, we all look kind of different, you know, mm -hmm. um, and yet we're also distinctly Filipino. From the outside in, and I'm in two markets now. I'm in Miami, in my mm -hmm. Miami apartment now, and I also have my place in New York. And it, it, it's such a new cuisine that it hasn't really had a strong enough narrative to have a misconception. I think that there are misconceptions again within. Hmm. And in the beginning, when I was starting out in my career, there were people who said, oh, uh, Pinoy's are never gonna pay top dollar for it or Americans, i.e. white, are never gonna pay top dollar for it. It's never gonna succeed, it'll fail, it's so brown. I, I was recently on Facebook and I saw someone's thread and it said, why is our food so ugly? Why, you know, and it, 
I, I say, why do you think it's ugly? I mean, there are other cuisines like Indian food, Ethiopian, Spanish cuisine mm -hmm. that are all embedded with rices or rich stews. And I, I never hear this conversation amongst Indians. Why is our food so ugly or other cultures? But I've heard that time and time again. And I'm talking about research since 1998. I've been logging in conversations, um, blogs, and that was even then. And it's still now 1998, what year is it? 2021, what is that? Like 23 years, 24 years later, we're still yeah. having this conversation. So that could be a misconception, but I think, what do you think about it that's so ugly? Uh, hmm. I don't know, they, they say, oh, it's brown. But there are many dishes in the world that have brown stews. So, yeah. yeah. It's a bit like the psychology of it, like a certain colors that really change your perception on certain things. And yeah, that's a tough one. And I wonder, you opened a restaurant in Miami. What was that like? And how has it been going so far? You know, um, it's been great. But mm. that doesn't mean it's been easy. Um, for, you know, for any business heads out there, people wanting to get in the business, I really urge them to consider four factors in opening a Filipino restaurant. One would be um, the procurement of ingredients. Mm. I, I, I really am lucky in New York that I have a Filipino store around the corner. I mean, I have Asian stores around me. I can get anything on a dime. It's not like that in Miami. On the other hand, I have I have access to the best produce because it's so like mm. Filipino, you know? Um, I can get calamansi. I can't get that in New York, like little things. Labor force is hard right now. I think COVID or Miami, you take for granted that it's a new cuisine. In New York, people know it or getting to know it. Here, no by far it's an unknown cuisine so there are some there's some obstacles to it but i mean i'm i'm rolling with it you know to open a restaurant during this time and to have a, a restaurant as well in new york like there's a lot of hustle there and i want to know what is the best habit that you've trained yourself to do because everyone um, is all about habits nowadays yeah um sleep sleep okay it's very simple sleep water be mindful of the times that you eat and try to be consistent with that time, no matter what time zone I'm in. That's the hardest thing for me is to eat yeah. on a consistent time schedule. Um, and uh, your team. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I have a very small team right now. And it's, I'm, I'm working harder than I ever have before. Yeah. It's made me more appreciative of team. Mm. And... Um, I'm, I'm equally more sensitive to the people that I have around me and mm -hmm. to make sure they really root for you. Mm -hmm. And it's not selfish, it's not immature. It's, it's actually imperative that you have people around you, every single one of them, buy into the vision, buy into you as a leader. And if you feel any kind of way otherwise, hash it out bring it out in the open or you gotta, you gotta move on. That yeah. But yeah. I'm curious in that because one of our biggest premise or like things we live by in the show is that it's a quote by Esther Burrell. She's a relationship expert. I and she said, yes. Uh, so she said the quality of your relationships determine the quality of your life. And this goes with people in your team as well. How do you pick the people that are close to you or you work with or live with or, you know, 
just enjoy life with, basically? That's a really good question. Um, really, really, really good question. I don't always get it right. Sometimes I choose wrong. Uh, hmm. I try to move on from it fast. Wait a minute. That's such a light bulb moment and making sure our relationships serve us in a very healthy way. Do you have relationships that are toxic? You can message us to talk about it on our socials Thursday and 30 if, you know, you just need someone to listen. So we actually asked Nicole, what's her advice to people in this situation? If you apply that to relationships, what would be your tip to women who seem to just can't um, <laughs> cut the toxic out? Yeah. What part do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> All of like, it. The... We, recently, we recently got a letter of a girl who was in a 13-year, really, really toxic relationship. And it's only like the day that she kind of started moving on from it. But it took her 13 years. So what's your advice to women so that they don't wait the 13 years? It's, you know, I... I hate cliches and like, like you said earlier, Bea, you know, you see in me some originality because I, I really don't like, if you go left, I like to go right. I like to explore mm -hmm. the unknown. It's, a, it's not the best habit sometimes, but oh God, time is all you have and money comes and goes. People can come and go through death or work or moving. But really, if you could honor the time that you have, guys, you're like so precious to me right now. Like you have so much time ahead of you that it can be easy to waste. But if you can honor your time now, I've, I've had a relationship where that person stuck around for four years mm -hmm. and I wish I had cut it out and, and definitively said out. It makes you healthier. You cannot get better in an environment where you got sick for a whole host of reasons. And for, for myself, why did I keep it around so long when I knew it wasn't right? I cut off the relationship, but they stuck around. Uh, yeah. I didn't hold myself in higher regard. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really comes back down to self-respect. Like, what, what don't you like about yourself? What, what part of your time do you not honor that you would allow it to be wasted? Yeah. But, you know, be gentle with yourself. The other day, you know, I'm, I'm going through some pretty tough times. And I was, I talked to God all the time. I was like, yo, God, like, what the hell? I talked to God, like, he's my homeboy. And so I was like, yo, God, what the heck? Like, this sucks. Like, this is awful. And he was like, yo, bitch. He was like, who do you think you are? He's like, you're a child of mine. And he was like, you think I want you to suffer? You think this is punishment? I call it a gift. And so mm. now when I go through hard times, it's, it, it, I'm not impervious to sadness or, you know, feeling pain, but I do look at it. I'm like, okay. So I look at it differently. I'm like, all right, where's the gift? Someone yeah. quits, someone leaves, something happens. All right. So I guess you're making room for something, make room for the good. Holding on to the bad is only going to cre create more cancer. Make, I would tell that girl, make room for the good. I'm going to write that on my wall. Make room for the good. That's a good Make one. Make room for the good. I like that. It's simple, but it just makes so much sense. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Nicole, like we, we mentioned a while ago, you are a true original. Um, how do you think you can stand out in the food business? As advice, you mean? To someone who wants to get into it? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, well, I, I, I did work quite a bit in advertising, so it was kind of my background to learn how to make a brand distinct. Um, I could tell you all the logistics of like working on a creative brief, what is your message, but I don't want to put everyone to sleep. This is meant to be a lullaby. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, hmm, how can someone stand out? Quality, you know, good taste is subjective, but quality is obvious. Hmm. And I think that can be boiled down to how you produce a, a dish, to the idea it's generated. Creativity is hard to teach. Um, but if you do your homework and can surround yourself with as much information, it's amazing how that nugget of a visual or something you've read can surface and can influence your decisions. I mean, that's what education is about. That's why, you know, one of the things my parents always instilled in me was to get an education it can never be taken away doesn't mean you have to pay for it. You can learn from film, you can learn from books, but pay attention and just soak it all up. There's so much out there that just, when you pay attention to it, it's, it's astounding and yeah. it will inform your creativity. So you're a very driven person. And I mean, the business that you're in, or even the city you live in, New York, it's a very cutthroat place. So what's your advice to people who are currently hustling or trying to hustle and, you know, based on your experience? Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know somehow how I survived. Like I was in some pretty precarious situations in rooms, in work environments, like cars sometimes, you know, dates. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised that I survived. Like, I don't, I'm so lucky. But mm -hmm. any advice on it, what am I going to tell you? Sleep, drink water, like that's bullshit. Like that's not going to really like, really like give you the, the level of motivation it takes to persevere. When you have to survive, that's one way to hustle. It forces you to, you sink or swim. And one of the things I realized is if I choose not to continue swimming, I will sink. So it's ingrained in me to keep going and it's lonely, but I am, again, I think I'm very, I don't know if I'm very different, but I, I, I get my power from my solitude sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Nicole, I read a lot about you before this interview and you're an impressive woman. I mean, clearly you're very successful. But let's backtrack a little bit. When was the earliest moment in your life that you felt successful? Sixth grade. I'm 11 years old. And I decide I want to run for secretary in my middle school. And mm -hmm. um, I loved school. I really, like, nerded out on, like, student body stuff. And I was so excited. I made a, a poster, you know, poster boards. And yeah. I, I drew a desk. I remember yeah. I drew a desk with colored pencil. So it's very light huh? colored pencil, a desk. And it said, Nicole Ponseca for secretary. And I rolled it up and it is really charming, my poster. And I put it underneath my arm <laughs> and then I, I went to school 
and I, I was dumbstruck. People spent money on a campaign. There were balloons. There were banners, <laughs> posters, stickers. Like, and then I had one poster. My God, how embarrassing! I really felt like you know when you like everything about you, your externals, your boobs, your chest, your stomach, your, your vagina, your knees, just like all crumble in. I'm 11 years old. I could feel my butt cheeks go up to my like ears. I was so embarrassed. And so, okay, well, I found one empty spot. I, I went to a, a public school. It was pretty big. And so I put it up. At this point, I knew I was going to lose because, I mean, what the hell am I going to do with one poster boy, right? Yeah. And I said, that's okay. And I don't know where I got this because I didn't talk to my parents about school. They didn't, I mean, they didn't really talk to me about my education. They just said, get it. I don't have any brothers and sisters. And, but something in my head was like, all right, so now you know. And I can even take a breath. I'm so proud of myself as 11 year old going into seventh grade at 12 that mm -hmm. I went for the next election and I asked my mom, mom, can I have money for balloons? I bought Pepsi. I put cans, <laughs> stickers on the cans. It said, you've got the right one, baby. You know, because that was the <laughs> campaign. Then. And then uh, I gave away lollipops and, and I had posters, banners, the biggest banner. And my speech was bomb. And I won. And from seventh yes. grade, I was basically class president from seventh grade on. And wow. that was an early lesson of success, failure, getting back up. But I didn't take my failure so personal that I allowed it to take me out of the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like I am so, I, I can say this without ego and in and, and third person to look back on that child, to say, good for you, girl. Good for you that you went the next year. You learned your lesson, you got up and you kept going. Like that's. I'm proud of her, you know? Gosh, I, I really I love, that I love that story. That's a cute story. That's a yeah. great story. Yeah, yeah. and then, because most people, like some children would cry, like they'd get upset, you know, they'd want their way and stuff. And I think that's good to be like, okay, now I know. I know what, what it to takes do. to, yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay, besides that young girl, who else do you look up to? Because that's amazing. Um, there's so many. I look up to my friend, Sin Casasola. Um, she's a singer. She's got two kids. Her, her youngest is a beautiful girl. She's a singer. Her eldest son, I think, is 13. He just got accepted to his number one choice of schools in New York. I, I really look up to single mothers who have to navigate so much. My God, they have to navigate bringing up their kids, yeah. femininity, dating, working like honestly if you're a single mom out there i just i applaud you i am with you i stand behind you whatever i can do to support you single moms really yeah yeah and then of course jennifer lopez <laughs> yes oh who doesn't my gosh how old is she like when i see photos of her it's like 52 it's like oh, 52 how? like amazing yeah like my friends say like i want to be like j-lo when i'm 52 i was like we're not 52 we don't look like j-lo <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even she if i look half that good at 52 right. i'd be happy yeah amazing Insane. i mean oh, i can't even like speechless when i see her it's like 
surreal glow. Like there's like a glow bubble around her. Phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that uh, quote a while ago. If you don't continue swimming, you're gonna sink. Are there other quotes that you live by? Um, patience in time, grass becomes milk. Mm. My mom told me that. That that yeah. really. When I say it, it takes a minute to just really. <laughs> okay, so when the cow nourishes himself, he eats. He chews. He has to take care, or she has to take care of her body. But mm. not only does it feed themselves, it will produce. Yeah. will convert to milk. Like how cool is that? Right. So that's a great quote. Um, I mean, there's so many. I don't even know where to start. But yeah, that one really gets me. Yeah, oh, that's and the beautiful. Other one that my mom told me, which was inspired by the Nixon, um, the Richard Nixon here in America. Um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Court case when Nixon went because of Watergate. Uh, someone said on the trial, they said, uh, no one has a monopoly on virtue. And that really stuck with me because mm -hmm. basically it just means no, who's perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is also the film about that um, time was insane. And, you know, it yeah. just shows you that no, no one can really play God or, you know, yeah, there are certain things. Um, if you could have one lunch with one person dead or alive, who would it be? Shit. <laughs> you can say J-Lo. Yeah. Um, maybe JLo. And um, I would love to have had um, dinner, honestly, with uh, an actor. Hmm. Um, and his name is Marlon Brando. Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> and and yes. Streetcar Named Desire. I was like, oh, yum. Yeah, yeah. I named my dog Marlon. Marlon! He's not me. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I would have I would have liked to have had a meal with him and really mm -hmm. just kind of like just observe and just witness like the energy. Yeah. But young Marlon, please. <laughs> yeah. Young him really is yeah. something. Next level. Next level. Yeah. yeah. So here's an odd question for you that Bay and I actually really like hearing the answer of. What smell makes you happy? Oh very easy my perfume that i have been wearing for a uh, little over a year mm -hmm. i don't know that's it <laughs> it's okay. um le labo and um Ooh, that's and uh, i dated a gentleman and he wore it and it didn't go anywhere but the smell is just intoxicating and it makes me happy and um yeah you know now that i think about it another smell that i really love is uh, this candle from Votivo and it's uh, teak and it's okay. from this other guy that I dated and he was always <laughs> lighted in the room. And, um, my There's God, a study it, here. There's a study on scents and men. There is a coffee, fresh coffee, just smelling it in the morning, just like it, it's so intoxicating. It really just kind of feels like it's um, a, a beautiful way to wake up in the morning. Yeah. 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 So Nicole, clearly you're a strong and very self-aware woman, but what is one thing that you do not understand about yourself? Oh, yeah. How come I cannot get my fitness together? 
I wish I could get my fitness and my my health together. Like I work so hard. I see projects through. I don't give the fuck up. I mean, I've been through so I cannot get it together. So maybe I need to change the language. So what's the thing that most frustrates or that makes me curious about myself? One thing you don't understand about yourself. Yeah, I got to change the language on this. So I can't, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm so happy how I take care of myself and mm -hmm. work out five days <laughs> a week. And, um, you know, Isabel Daza and I work out in the mornings together. I don't know. Oh like, my God. She's, I'm going to speak it into machine. existence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, um, that's one thing. Yeah. So what about something beautiful that you see every day? Oh, what is something beautiful I see every day? Got these questions. It's for Miss Universe, by the way. Yeah. We're, we're really? pitching. No, we're pitching no, ourselves. No. We want to be the ones asking those questions. That's so there. cute. <laughs> what is something beautiful I see every day? Um, my future. Hmm. Oh, I like that. That's a good answer. That was a good one. I like that answer. Okay. Every time, every day I see my future and it makes me happy. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm copy, copy please. That. Every morning. <laughs> okay. What, what is the sexiest thing about you? Ooh. What is the sexiest thing about <laughs> I have to add, you're a vibe. Like the first time I saw you in the lab, I was like, wow. Was like, the hair, the cap, the look, I was like, wow. I like that. Uh, the sexiest thing about me, mm -hmm. oh my God, is um, uh, I have a lot of balls. So I think. Um, if you find me, what I find sexy about myself is my courage. Mm -hmm. And I find that the people who are really attracted to me like that about me. And if you don't like me, you typically um, don't like that quality. Mm -hmm. And um, that goes for men and women. You know, mm -hmm. we can have of your sexual orientation, let's say in this room, we're all straight women. I don't know. I'm going to make assumptions. You can be attracted to women. Hmm. Yeah. You can have girl crushes and have an attraction to them and it can be sexy. Um, JLo is an example of that, but I would question all of us when we are repelled or when we don't find someone attractive, that's also really interesting to, to dig in. Like, what don't I like about that person? And you might find something more about yourself. Uh, so when people don't like me, I find it very curious why they don't. Um, and usually it's bravado, it's confidence, and um, yes. Yeah. Wow. So you do ask them. Like, I've never asked someone who doesn't like me. I should do that. Hey. I find out. <laughs> you know, I've had people come. I've had people say, I hope you fail in my face. To your I, face. I don't understand what kind of human beings would do this, right? No. But I also wonder what am I triggering in them? Yeah, you know, um, I've never wished ill, even on the people who've had the most trespasses against me. I'm talking about 
abuse, sexual molestation, things like that, that I've endured in my life. I, mm -hmm. I never even called upon those feelings against those people. I think that there's a lot of, um, we're going in a different direction here, but I think there's a lot of pain out there. Yeah. Um, and I, I generally really like people and I can find things attractive about a lot of people. So mm -hmm. I don't think that that's generally true yeah. for, for mm -hmm. others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always thought that you had such a genuine soul. Like, I think when we worked together in the school um, with CCA, I just thought you were so warm. Like, you did have a confidence that would be intimidating for some people. But if you are just as pas passionate about things, then it's not something you would really shy away from. But in fact, it's something more people should have. And this one I'm interested in because I know entrepreneurs are always hustling and they're always thinking for their business. And there's never a normal day <laughs> and yeah. I want you to finish the statement I will be content when blank if it's um, possible I will be content when um I am content but I am not complacent okay but um that took a while yeah that took a while I'm content yeah um you, you mentioned about pain. Like, I know that we were talking about dating and relationships, but I'm curious about how people deal with pain. What helped you get over all that pain and just be in that place where you are? Um, um, I, I called upon all of my resources and, and resources I didn't even know that were there, um, but I was in a constant hunt so to feel better and hmm. to get past it. And I, again, I'm not saying that I, I don't have pain now. And there are really dark moments, and particularly in the last year when, you know, you have suicidal ideations and a deep, deep depression. So I think it's a really good conversation to have, particularly if this is a, a show dedicated for your Filipino watchers. How do we talk about mental health? And... Mm -hmm. Let's be clear, being content doesn't mean I don't feel pain. You know, mm -hmm. you can break a, a wrist or have a broken heart and we have to mend and you also have to mend your mental health. So mm -hmm. um, I am content, but I have my pain. And what I did to get through it was um, my friends, therapy, and I'm happy to go a deeper dive into all of or any of those things books podcasts louise hay was huge for me um i surround myself with podcasts on a daily basis from the moment i wake up pretty much to when i go to sleep if i have an earpiece on i'm listening to music or a podcast and i'm constantly trying to learn from others mistakes or their lessons or their joy and uh getting more in touch with my um, humanity helped me yeah. get over it yeah well, connecting to all the, those things that you learned to improve yourself, though, what advice would you give to your younger self, knowing what you know now about love and relationships? Honor yourself 100%. And uh, you don't need permission for someone to tell you to cancel a date. You don't need permission for someone to tell you that it's over. Um, I, I wish that I was more empowered in my 20s in, in many ways, even though I was courageous and had bravado. I wish that I understood 
the power of listening to your instinct and and standing up for myself, speaking up in rooms, um, you know, really to honor yourself, period. Okay, so Nicole, we are down to our last two questions. Okay. Uh, okay. This is Bea's favorite question. Nicole, what is love? Oh my God, I should have read to the end. I didn't see this question on the list. <laughs> <laughs> it stumps everyone. Don't worry. It stumps every single person from like, we've interviewed like Sestalon, from Boyabunda, from, um, yeah, a couple of people. And it Everybody, always, yeah. like, no one. It's hard really. to define, really. Yeah. 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 I have a question for you both while, sure. we, while I think about this, okay? <laughs> You have to finish this sentence, Bea, and then um, I have a, another question, too, for you. Okay, go for it. So, when I love someone, they... <laughs> when I love someone, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> it's been a while, um, and I also was in a 10-year relationship that was pretty tough. But um, when I love someone, uh, they respect that love. Okay. And then for you, when they um, love me, I. When they love me, I. <laughs> respect them and lift them up. Oh, I always love that question, both of them, because it reveals so much about, you know, what you think about love or relationships or what you give into it or what you get out of it. It's like really cool. That's but a great, if you don't mind, Nicole, we we're, will we're add this on our list. I like, that's a great question. <laughs> Trademark, uh, Nicole, though. Yeah. So <laughs> I still don't have my answer. But so what is love? Love is pure. Love is generous. Love is kind. Um, love is not jealous. We know this from, you know. Yeah. A walk to remember or the Bible. Yeah, I was going to say, depends on where you got it from. <laughs> um, I think love is protective and love is wonderful and sexy and kind i mean love is is everything and in lieu of love is fear last question this is my personal favorite nicole use three words to describe your life one word for the past one word for the present and one word for the future mm. Oh God, okay. One word for the past is informative. My present is inspiring. And my future is enlightening. Thirsty and 30. Thank you to our virtual friends for listening to this episode with Nicole Ponseca. This conversation actually reminded me of a profound quote by the American writer Joyce Carol Oates. We have to be custodians of our time. So here's a little homework for you. Look at your life and think what doesn't honor your time. Cut it out as soon as you can because it is like a cancer, as Nicole said. And we guarantee that it will make you healthier in mind and body, although it's very hard to do. To keep in the loop on life, love, and dating, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Thirsty and 30, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available for more gold like this. And of course, check out our weekly newsletter, thirsty30.substack.com. Till then, stay thirsty.